are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Over here in Galatians chapter 6, let me give you a verse. In Galatians chapter 6, you know the story about Paul. He led these people to Christ, and these uh, Judaizers came in and confused them and said, you better keep the law and get circumcised. And now they're going trying to go back under the law, and Paul comes back rebuking them and trying to help them and uh, all those things. But he comes down to the sixth chapter, and all those things get you discouraged. But look what he said in verse number 9 of Galatians 6. He said, let, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, notice, let us not be weary in well-doing. There comes times in our ministry where we wonder if it's well-doing or not. There come some times probably in your ministry where you don't have somebody saved every service. And then you begin to think, well, I don't know where this is well-doing or not. Over yonder at North Valley, they have people saved all the time. And I believe if I was in the will of God, I'd be having them. And I don't know. And then you'd better look out, folks. Better be careful about that. And uh, then I'll give you another verse here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul said here in verse 11, he said, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now, you always got that kind of people. He said, Now, uh, them that are such... Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness at work eat their own bread. But now it comes back with this thought in verse 13. But ye, brethren, what are you supposed to do? Be not weary in well-doing. Be not weary in well-doing. Now listen. Men are burning out all over the country. About uh, two months ago I got a letter from a good preacher friend, went to a good Bible college. He's one of the Trinity graduates, good man. And uh, he said, Brother Bobby, the Lord has led me, and maybe the Lord has led him, to resign his church. I don't know what I'm going to do, but just pray for me. I'm going to go on and preach for eight more weeks. Then I'm going out, just pray. I don't know what God wants me to do, but I know he wants me to leave his church. Well, a few weeks after that, as the sword conference was coming along, two ladies walked up to me and said, Brother Robertson, pray for our church. This church is probably 100 miles from me. I've preached there before, has a Sunday school of a couple hundred or so, and said, uh, pray for our preacher. We don't understand. We think he's just worn, and we don't think he's having any problems in his family. We still have some people say we love him, but he says, God just wants me to quit and said, pray, and I've been getting calls from that church asking me if I can help them get a pastor. Now, I'm bothered about that fellow. I called him and left on his answering service and told him to call me a month ago. I said, if I can help you, I haven't heard anything from him. Last week, I got a phone call from another preacher in the state of Virginia. And he said, Brother Bobby, you know our other brother over here, 10 miles from me, resigned last Sunday night. And a good church, I preached there several times. He said, I don't know what the problem is, Brother Bobby. He said, I'm afraid he's just worn out and weary. He said, I don't know just what I'm going to do, 
But uh, I feel like it's best to just resign. I may preach around a little bit, may get a job. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Now, that's happening all over the East Coast. Uh, we get weary. We get worn out. We get tired. You go back to the same thing every day. And uh, sometimes you'll think, well, here I am, the same old thing. Don't see much results. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I've been out on visitation, and I go on Thursday night if I'm at home. Most time I am on Thursday night. And uh, I go out with our group on visitation. I remember here some time ago, I was so excited. I had me two good prospects. I made sure I was going to win somebody to God that night. I believed the Lord was leading me to go to these houses. And in that area, you don't just go here and there. You go here, and then 20 minutes later, you're there, or 30 minutes later. So two, two stops, it's around, around 9 o'clock. I went to both of them places, and I didn't find anybody at home. I was let down. I don't understand it, Lord. I was going back. Someone was with me, and in my mind, I was tired, and I'd been preaching somewhere and worn out and hospitals and all that, and the thought hit me, you'd been better off to stay home and rested tonight. And I answered that thought with 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I said, let me tell you something, devil. The Lord said, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I said, where anybody's at home or not, I was doing what the book tells me, and it's not in vain, my friend. You and I will have those tough times to go through. I have an idea that Noah felt like resigning quite a few times. 120 years of preaching, and they wouldn't listen to it. But be faithful, my friend. God will bless faithfulness. Don't get weary. I wrote some things down here I think will help us. I want to say number one is always just be yourself. Be yourself. Now, every conference is to help us, but you can't put, and, and I wouldn't do anything to hurt Jack Treber. I love this man uh, at the conference, and he knows what I'm saying. But you can't put everything that everybody says in a conference and live in that mold. You can't do that. You've got to glean from those things. Bob Gray from Jacksonville, Florida, uh, said that when he was a young preacher, he used to go to these conferences. Some man would preach about getting up at 4.30 in the morning praying two hours. And he said, I'd get under conviction and give invitation. I'd go down an aisle and get on my knees and promise God I was going to get up 4.30 and pray two hours. Then another fellow gets up and says, if you don't take a certain time to study your Bible for a couple hours, you're backslid. So down the aisle I go again. He said it went on and on and on. And he said, I stopped one day and I was frustrated. And I said, Lord, I done promised you over 24 hours a day. No way. Now, let me tell you, I find my own self that I can preach and enjoy my ministry if I'm just Bobby Robinson. I'd like to be Jack Treber about a lot of things. I get some ideas from him. He sends me this calendar every year. I don't know how he does it, but I admire him sitting down in, in a whole year ahead of time. He's got everything lined out. And I got that uh, calendar, and I'm trying to pick out some of those days to, make, to have a special day. Now, now you don't, you don't want to be like me. You don't want to be like me. But I'm me. 
And I got to be me. And if it don't be me, I'm going to get wore out. Uh, you say, Brother Bobby, what time do you get up? When I wake up. Yeah. That's when I get up. I just want to get up. I mean, listen. With all due respect, and he'd say it he's here today, Dr. Hiles, he gets up 5, 15, he reads the paper to us. He reads now, sometimes some young men get that idea, and, they just, and they're just going like that. And they're wore out after a little while. You're not Jack Hiles. You're not Jack Trevor. You're you. You be you. You know. I, uh, I may get in at 1 o'clock in the morning. I may got a call out. I've had 29 funerals since, since, uh, since January. And, uh, and I get calls out at night. Well, if I get a call out and I get to bed at 1 o'clock, I wish I could sleep in the morning. I used to, but I can't sleep in. I'm awake 6 o'clock, 7, or whatever. But uh, usually I just pray and say, Lord, let me have six hours, and he'll do it. Last night he did. I looked at my watch, and it was 3 o'clock my time home when I went to bed. And I said, Lord, I'd appreciate if I could sleep till 6 o'clock. Let me wake up my time. I look at my watch. I don't ever change it. I don't know how. It's too deep. I don't, I don't know. Steve... <laughs> It's one of these seco things, and you got to mash all these kind of buttons, and Steve changes it for me, so I just don't fool with it. But anyway, I, I said, Lord, now let me, let me sleep in the morning. Let me wake up about between 9 and 9.30. That'd be six hours. God's so good to me. I woke up this morning praising him, feeling good. I said, Lord, 10 minutes after 9. That means 10 minutes after 6. That means I got six hours sleep. You're good. And, and I have a radio broadcast at 9.30 in the mornings for 15 minutes, but, you know, it's no problem. If Steve's at home, he takes it. But I, I'm not saying, I'm just trying to tell you, preachers, just be yourself. Be yourself. Now, now this man here, he has a staff meeting every so often. And that's good. That's good. He may have one every morning. I don't know. That's fine. That's good. That's good. But don't go back to your church and say, I got to do like Dr. Treber. You may have 100 or 200 people. I know of a preacher in North Carolina had about 400 in attendance. And someone said, you need to get this one, you need to get that one, you need to get the other one on the staff. I preached for him several times. The last time I preached for him, he was so frustrated. He had two associates. He didn't know what to do. He had several secretaries. He said, I don't know what to do, Brother Bobby. It's worth me crazy. And he's out of the ministry now. You know what I'm trying to say? He was trying to live in the, in, 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 like someone else. He's trying, to, he's trying to be somebody he wasn't, you see. Now, now my type ministry, I'll just share this with you. See, I started years ago. And when I came to Gospel Light that first Sunday, I'm his second pastor. We had 153 people. I didn't have a study. didn't have a word for a study. For years, I didn't have a study. Didn't have no books to put one in anyway, to be honest with you. And I remember in that little old block building, I wanted, to be, I wanted to have me a study. And I went down to the basement and uh, fixed me up a little study and, and, and put me some books in it. Had an old bookcase and put me a few books in it. And the next week, them things just as green as they could be. It's too, it's too moist down there. And, you know, and I couldn't run my books. And, and, and I guess I pastored for eight or ten years with, without a... So, so don't feel like you've got to have a study just like so-and-so, you see. God will work all that out, you see. Now, I've had one for years now, but I didn't at first. And, and, and I'm saying, don't, don't be like me. Steve's all the time, Daddy, we ought to have staff meetings record. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to be smart. I'm just trying to help somebody who may be in the same shape I am I just don't have staff meetings. I don't have time. 
I got an assistant pastor. I got an assistant pastor. He's been with me 10 years, and I give him some things to do. And I said, now, Frank, you do them things. Now, don't do it today and come back tomorrow and ask me what I'm supposed to do. You do them things. I said, I'm a fella that I don't want to lay down at night and try to think how I'm going to get this crowd to work tomorrow. I said, I expect you to do it. And I said, Steve, you know what you do. Now, you do it. And Molly, you do it. And once in a while we get together. We, we, we get together sometime. But uh, Steve's told me for years, and I, and I have a, one of the finest young men. Uh, you, know, you know Steve. He's a good fella. Uh, he said, Dad, now we couldn't meet at 8 o'clock. I said, Son, I may come in the office at 10. I may come in at 11. I may come in at 7. I said, I ain't going to burn myself out, son. I'm too old to change now. I said, Just let me be Bob Robertson. That's all I want to be. Just be myself. So I'm just saying, just be yourself. Because if you don't, listen, we got, we got a young man in our church. Listen to this. He went to the pastor's school 20-some years ago. And, and I've been there several times over at Hammond. And uh, hadn't been in quite a few years. But, but you know, Dr. Tyler's always at 8 o'clock and locking doors. So them late struggles wouldn't come dragging in. This old boy took everything. I wouldn't embarrass him. If he was here, I wouldn't tell you. He took everything to heart. And he was a pastor in a church running 50 in Sunday school. He goes back and he tells his ushers, now at 11 o'clock, if they're not in here, lock them doors. <laughs> now he pastored about four or five months after that, and he's been a member of my church for 20 years and hadn't pastored. <laughs> That's right. Now see, Dr. Howells didn't mean for him to do that. He, Dr. Howells don't do that in his regular services. That was a conference. So have a little common sense about it. Don't try to be Jack Howes or don't try to be Jack Treber or don't try to be Bobby Robinson. Just relax and be yourself. Amen. Because if you don't, you're going to burn out. I've tried it. I know what I'm talking about. Nobody, nobody uh, outlines like I do. Nobody. I got my secretary to type one off me one time. It didn't work right. It just... <laughs> You know, I mean, it's just like I was up, you know, mechanically. Just, bless God, i got to get my heart in it. And I sit down with my left hand and write it out. Now, you couldn't do a thing with that this morning. I wrote that out this morning. You couldn't do a thing with it. Uh, that's just my way about things. And as long as it works, don't bother it. Amen. You know, just like my bus ministry. I'm the, I'm the bus director, and I have been for 27, 28 years. Never had a bus director. I got some division men that helped me with it. We break it down. I meet with them on Saturday morning, eat and cut up with them, have a good time, and say, now go get it. And it works all right. Now, it may not work at your place. It may not work at your place. But I'm just saying, just be yourself, my friend. Just be yourself. Preachers come by to me sometime, and they say, Brother Bobby, our church has 6,000 members. They say, Brother Bobby, uh, don't you think it's time that you delegated this man to go to the hospital? And you, I said, I'm still the pastor. Now, I don't go all the time. I think I went three times last week. Had seven members and one, one in the hospital. I visited two or three days consistent last week. I'm their pastor. Uh, when somebody dies, I, uh, I don't every time get somebody else to. I'll ask some ladies to prepare some food, and I'll get bring them, have them bring church. I put it in my trunk, take it to the house, and and put it out there and bless God eat with them, you know, or something. I like that. That's just my way. And I'm enjoying my ministry. 
I'm enjoying my ministry. I'm glad of it. And I'm just saying that. I want to be around for years. Red said 80. We've moved up to 85 now, bless God. I want to, I want to pastor, if Jesus tears, it's coming. I want to pastor Gospel Light Baptist Church uh, at least 20 more years from 85. Then I want to spend the rest of my time in evangelism. So I'm saying, but I can't do it, folks. Listen, I need to glean from this and that, but I can't do it in somebody else's mold. I'll get born. You know, they laugh at us at our church. I, 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 don't have, I don't have the time. You know when I get my space of singing? When the choir gets done. I don't use, the, my song leader takes care of the music in the choir. I've always took care of the spatial singing. And I slipped in Monday morning, Sunday morning. I, slipped, I was busy after my Sunday school class and so on. I slipped in. And I look back, they just learned that. I look back, they keep music in their pockets or something. You know, we got trios, quartets, duets. You know, we got some wonderful music. And uh, when the choir gets done, it's come out, I say, yeah. and so when I get ready for music, they're up there. Now, that's not a good way to do it. But it's always worked for me. It might not work for you. So now, don't try that. Don't try that. If it's, if it's not your way of doing stuff, don't try it. That's just Bobby Robinson. That's just me. That's just me. Uh, if you, uh, if you, and I'm not asking no meeting, but like, for instance, if you ask me, my way has always been, uh, a preacher now would you I said okay write me hey I, I keep my my whole files right here in my pocket I mean I know I know it's all right here uh, I don't have people looking you know I know where I'm going next and so on it's just right there I got it wrote down and everything all in here and and so on I, that's just my way and, and and I can't change if I do I get up tight I get to get, get burnt out and worn out and weary but if I can just operate like I'm operating, and I got a wife that's been with me nearly 48 years, she knows me, and uh, she's with me, and she's behind me, and she may not understand everything, but she just keeps playing along with me. Now I'm going to say hurry. Let me hurry here. Let's always, folks, let's don't forget to always seek the Holy Spirit. Now, now, now please understand what I'm saying. We need some heroes. But every man is a failure. And where did the Holy Spirit come in at? Where's the Holy Spirit come in at? Now the things that will work in my church would not work in this church. And the things that work in your church wouldn't work in my church. But the Holy Spirit knows exactly what will work. And I think we ought to be conscious of his leadership all the time. Of, of, of just what we need to do in our churches. That's what I'm talking about. And, and then let me say something else. We've got to learn to let the Lord fight our battles. There's a verse in Exodus 14. I think it's in verse 14. One of my favorite verses. The Lord shall fight for you. Hold ye your peace. You know God let me fight my battles if I'm determined to. But if I'll... Wait, he'll fight them for me. Too many times have I seen things messed up where if I'd have waited and just let God fight it. I could tell you case after case after case after case. I'm thinking of a case right now. We've got so much of it in our church. Here's a couple been married for 35 plus years. Man helped me on my new building with a blessing. About three years ago, this man left his wife. 
Got a call one Saturday afternoon. She was crying, her and her daughter. All children are grown, has grandchildren. She said, Mom and I have been out shopping, came in. Dad's left a note. I'm gone. We went to her house. My wife and I tried to console her. There's a widow woman. I preached her husband's funeral 12, 14 years ago in our church. They got too thick. He left his wife and started dating this widow woman. And this widow woman is well thought of in our church. He's well thought of. This thing just kept brewing. His wife, don't let me get you confused now. His wife sues the widow woman for breaking her home up. All this stuff is facing court. His wife said, Pastor, I'll have to have you in court for me. I said, I don't want to go. Please, I'm in bad shape. I got to have some support. I prayed and prayed. This widow lady has friends who doesn't think she's guilty, so they're going to be in court. And these are going to be in court. You see what I'm saying? And I prayed and prayed. And I told the lawyers, I said, I don't need to be in on that. Just a day before it came up, my phone rang that morning. And this lawyer said, Reverend, we've settled that case outside of court. It's settled. That lady, that lady has some wonderful children. And that lady has a daughter who married a fellow in our church who was our, one of our school teachers. They separated after a couple years of marriage. This man had left his wife. He has two boys. One of his boys caught his wife in a motel room with another man, come weeping and didn't live with her any longer. Okay, his wife's gone. This widow lady's daughter has left the school teacher, which he's gone now. And now them two begin to date. They're married. Daddy and his son, mama and her daughter, now live in stuff like that all the time. Now you say, preacher, God won't bless something. Don't you tell me. God's blessing our church. And this man's gone. He's gone. I'd help him today. He's my friend if I could. He's got to repent and get right with God. This widow lady is out of our choir now. She sits back in the congregation. This man's wife, with their divorce now, she sits over yonder. She says, I can't stand to look at her. Now, you face all that stuff in your church. You face it all the time. I could, I could park here and tell you cases for two hours. Let me tell you another one. About two years ago, I got a call come to the hospital, a little child, two years old, that said it fell off of a chair and it was very critically ill. The parents of the kid was in our church, his parents also, and her parents. Come to find out, the dad, of the, he was a stepdad, got angry to the little child. The mother was working on Saturday morning, got angry and hauled off and hit the little kid and just 
bursted its insides pitiful, and it died. Now here I'm, I'm the pastor of both grandparents and both of them. Only God can bring you out of something like that. All that stuff came in court. That man's on death row now. He says he's not guilty. He says it was his, the mother that got mad at the child. But the child died. Here I'm grandparents' I'm grandparents's pastor. I'm going to talk with this one and that one and this one and that one. My friend, you'll have battles. If you stay somewhere, they'll hit you every way you turn. But you just remember this. You can't figure them out. And you young preachers, you wait and God will work all that out. Now, one of those grandparents said, Brother Robertson, we love you, but we just don't feel at ease here anymore with these other grandparents here. So they go about, I have a preacher boy about 10, 15 miles from me. He's been pastoring for 15 years, so they joined his church. They're my friends. My wife and I Saturday, Saturday met him in a restaurant, sat and talked, and they told me how much they love and appreciate him. So they're there serving God. The, the boy's in prison. His parents are in our church serving God. God works it all out. We'll have a lot of battles. I remember about three or four years ago, I got a call. Uh, on Sunday morning, my daughter, my secretary, youngest daughter, and she whispered, and she said, Dad, one of our buses has had a serious wreck this morning. I didn't tell it till I found out more about it. And after church, I went to the hospital. Two children was involved. One of them died. The other was serious for a long time. My bus driver had never, had never been that route before, and he run a stop sign. And uh, this black family was on their way to church and hit the bus. A little girl died. And when it brought in court, you could sense God coming over that place. That uh, they was asking, I think it was a million dollars, and the insurance company was offering them something like 300000 And they got to talking. And the, the, the mother of the child got up and said, Your Honor, I feel sorry for this man that was driving that bus. He didn't mean to kill my child. And I don't hold a thing against him. And this lady went across the courtroom and put her arms around this man and said, I'm praying for you, and I know you're hurting. My child's in heaven. We're hurting too. The judge looked back and said, how about the suit? And she said, it's been settled right now. She settled it for 300000 right there. Boy, let me tell you, when you see a God work things like that, it encourages you. And I'm just saying, folks, hold your peace. God will fight your battles. Must have been awful hard for Moses to stand still with Pharaoh's army behind him. And the Red Sea out there, and yet God says, you're going to make a mess out of this thing if you don't stand still. We've got to learn to watch God work. And then when he does, make sure to give him the glory. Give him the glory. We must let the Lord fight our battles. Then let me say here something else quickly. We must learn to wait on the Lord. That's one of the hardest things. I, I wish you'd fight him faster 
You know, I wish to get rid of that problem fast for me. But you know what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, mount up with wings of eagle, learn to wait on God. Could I share a few things, and I'll try to do this as quick as I can, to let you see what God has done and is doing in my own life. The church that I pastor was seven years old. It had one pastor before me. He was a good man, young man, about 20 or 21 years old. With nine members, he put a tent up in that area, got some people saved, and started the church with nine members. Someone gave him a little piece of land, three-quarters of an acre, and they put a little cement block building on it. And uh, the church had 200 members when I came there. He had a good ministry for seven years. He went into evangelism, recommended me as pastor, and my home church three miles away, and I lived there. And so anyway, I became the pastor. We growed from 150 in the, in the first five years up to five and 550. I wonder how in the world we got them in that building. I don't know. Had some glorious times. Had no baptistry. They didn't believe in baptizing inside. You had to go down to the creek and baptize. And uh, we used to, I baptized maybe 50, 75 people out on the creek side, you know. You never baptize till you can take a pole, you know, cut you a pole and, and, and walk out, you know, and see how far you can go out in the pond. Get out there about waist deep. Then get your big toe in the mud and put your other one in the mud. And then the deacons lead your candidates out. And then the folks stand on the bank singing, Shall We Gather to River? And we used to do that, you know, and baptize the people. Had some great times. One Sunday morning, I'd been going for weeks, and one Sunday morning, I was 29 years old then, and I had a heart attack in the pulpit. And they took me out to the hospital, and I was there for 21 days. The doctors didn't think I'd make it, but the church prayed and prayed and prayed. And after everything was going fine, as far as I knew, and then after, while I was out sick, I was able to preach. One of my deacons came. I had seven deacons, and he said, Pastor, we've got some terrible problems. I hate to bother you. I know you're sick. But someone has started a petition around through the church, getting the people to sign it to try to get us deacons out. Well, surely not, I said. So I went to church. Our church was, we'd, we'd built our second auditorium then, and our church was up some steps, and they took me up the steps in the chair, and I, I, I tried to have a business meeting. Ever since that one, I'm scared of business meetings. I don't like to have them unless I have to. That was an awful business meeting. And I said something about this thing, and a man got up and said, Pastor, I read that petition. It didn't ask for a deacons to move. It asked, let's... Get, and what they were doing, they were going to get together and present it to me, I understood, a rotating deacon board. Then I got a call when I got home and it said, Preacher, that petition has been burnt. I said, don't worry about it, and just hung up. I never did know who started. Then I got the, I had seven deacons, and I got the church to give them a photo of confidence. One of my deacons kept saying, if you get rid of that new crowd, they're the one who don't like the way this thing's going. And I said, which new crowd? He didn't know who they were. Growth brings trouble in churches. I did not know what a constitution was in a church. But the church was not really organized. And I don't say that with any uh, bad thing on that pastor did. He just didn't know either. But them deacons brought out a little old piece of paper, and they said, this is our constitution. 
and said, it says in this Constitution, and I read it, that we can never have no more than seven deacons, no less than seven deacons, because, bless God, the Bible said seven. That's what it said. And it also read and said, we will not vote on the deacons every year. They are permanent, but we will vote on the pastor every year. Now, that's the way the thing read. And here, I've been there for five years, and I didn't know about all of that. And I thought things were fairly well settled, and I was going to ride along. And then one Sunday morning, at the end of my message, one of the deacons walked down the aisle and said, Just a moment, Pastor, before you dismiss, and hand me a piece of paper, and said, The deacons would like for you to read this to the church, if you would. I knew nothing about it, and here I began to read something I'd never read and uh, myself, and it said, we uh, deacons feel it's best for us to resign as of 30 days from today, and my whole deacon board resigned. Then it turned on me that they can't get along with the pastor. And I don't even like to think, I'm just trying to share some things with you to show you what God brought me through. We'll wait on him. I weighed 212 pounds when I got sick, and I went down to 145 pounds. Not by dieting, but because I lost my appetite and I couldn't stand food. My nerves went all to pieces. I couldn't sleep without a sleeping pill. I had practically a complete nervous breakdown. The doctor said, you're going to have to leave this place. I had a member 60, 80, 60 70 miles away, a little, uh, little cabin up in Virginia. And so my wife and kids and I went up there and stayed, I guess, three months. All this mess going on and so on. But what I'm trying to tell you is, I don't give myself any credit, but God brought me through that. And, and, and those deacons left. But before they left, they started having a, a prayer meeting on, Saturday, on Friday night. And my Sunday school superintendent was a brother-in-law of one of the deacons. And he became their pastor. I said, what's these things going on about your, and said, well, there's no fellowship in the church. We just won't have fellowship. Come to find out just holding their tithe out and putting it together. Having them a Friday night meeting. And the Sunday school superintendent walks up to me one day. Here I am, 145 pounds. And he said, I don't mean to scare you, but it looks like you ought to know God's through with you around here. So you look like a walking corpse. And I said, what have I done to you? And he said, you haven't done anything. I just feel like I need to tell you this. Turned around and walked off. They were all working together. This thing brewed on and brewed on and brewed on. And, and, uh, and, and, and finally, finally, the first thing I knew went from 550 to about 300 the next Sunday. And they said they've landed five miles down the road and started my church. I had some of those deacons' kids was in my church, and they didn't go with them, and they're still there. I tried to stay away from the sore spot. I tried to preach like it was nothing wrong, but it's something wrong with me, buddy. I was having a time. That superintendent became their pastor. And then I began to wonder, maybe I should leave. And I got so I couldn't stand to go to the pulpit. Now, I'm, I'm talking about right down here where some of you may be this morning. Long about Thursday or Friday or Saturday, long in that time, I'd get thinking about I'm going to have to preach Sunday. I'd get nauseated to think I've got to stand up there and preach in that place. 
So I said, God, you may want me to leave here. And really, you're trying to tell me, because if you wanted me to stay, I wouldn't be so sick of this place. So I said, I know what I'll do. I'll do like Gideon. I'll put out a fleece. So I said, Lord, if somebody don't get saved next Sunday, I know you want me to leave. Nobody got saved. And I think I'll write me a little resignation, and I couldn't write it. And I'd go to the mailbox, and I'd say, maybe some church I preached in, maybe they'll, maybe they'll write me and say, we don't have a pastor, would you be ours? And I'll know that's God's will, but they wouldn't write me. Dr. Harold Seitler, in our church, we have an auditorium, 300-seat auditorium downstairs in our new building, and we named it the Harold B. Seitler Auditorium. If you ever met a man that had some stickability, Harold Seitler was him. He was in the area preaching. He was only 200 miles from us pastoring. He was in the area preaching. I went and talked to him. I said, Dr. Seidler, and I told him the story. He knew all about my split and all that stuff. And, and I said, Doc, I said, I can't stand it. I'm going to die. He said, you're not going to die, son. And I said, i got to leave. He said, you don't leave. I said, I put out a, a, a fleece and nobody gets saved. He said, stay away from that fleece. He said, your flesh is sick. And it's looking for an easy way out. You're trying to find a way. He said, son, I can hear him now. He called me son. He said, son, you stand still. God's grace is sufficient for you. And by the grace of God, I stood still for two or two or three years. Once in a while, somebody gets saved. The other place was blooming and we was going down. Dead, you talking about dead, brother, it was a dead, it felt dead in that place. And I got bitterness towards that crowd in my heart. I went through some terrible times. Then I began to feel sorry for the crowd. I said, them was good people till the devil got a hold of them. And I got mad to the devil and started feeling sorry for them, got to loving them again. But let me say this quickly. I told you all this, and Brother Trevor's heard me tell it, because I feel like I'm helping somebody. And God helped me to stand still and wait upon him. And we have a rotating deacon board now. The church voted. They voted a rotating board, and it works fine, all with us fine through the years. But after about three, two and a half or three years, things begin to move around that place. Folks, that's been uh, 34 or five years ago. People's got saved. I wouldn't even believe it if God himself would have said, I'm going to save them people. We've had some of the more hard-hearted nuts God's cracked. We've seen, we've seen one miracle after the other at Gospel Light Baptist Church. God gives grace to stand still. When trouble comes in your church, don't leave it. Because if you do, somebody else will come along. And the first thing you know, it'll always be a little troubled church. If that nut if I could put it there, gets to rule in that thing, you just stand still and trust God for wisdom and guidance and, and God will help you and God will break that thing and when he breaks it, you'll enjoy your ministry. Now you're looking at a man tonight or this morning that has never enjoyed his ministry like I'm enjoying it now. And I'm so excited I'm going to get to preach at Gospel Light tomorrow night. I'd rather preach there than any church I've ever been in my life. And been there over 40 years. There's a refreshing time. God will bring you through. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning, my friend. 
You fellas out here on the West Coast, you haven't got those uh, little churches all over the country where they run off and left, but don't you be that first preacher because you come up against a battle and say, well, i got to leave now. You better be careful that maybe the flesh leading you instead of the Spirit of God. You stick in there and you stay, and bless God, when the clouds are all past, you'll find the Lord still standing there waiting and watching over you, my friend. So I'm saying, learn to wait on God. Learn to wait on God. Well, I sat around that little old cabin up there in Virginia and cried. Couldn't walk, uh, but about five feet out from it was flat. Couldn't walk down a hill after a heart attack. And I'd sit around there and cry. devil said, your minister's over 29 years old. You'll never preach anymore. I said, God, what have I done wrong? And all of that. One morning I was sitting out there. I didn't see a 900-foot Jesus. But I was sitting there in a chair one morning. And heaven came down. And glory filled my soul. I, I think I know a little bit about what Moody said that night in his room when he said, Lord, I can't stand it. My body was so weak. And I got up and I walked around that place and around that place. And glory to God ever since then, God has stirred my soul. Uh, and God's let me see one victory after another, my friend. Yes, let's wait on God. He'll fight our battles. And then I'm almost through. And when I say that, i got three more times. Learn your best to be content with what you have. Don't get complacent. Don't get so self-satisfied. Keep a vision. But if your church building is not like the other fellows building, and you don't have as nice of facilities, and your old car is about to break down, you thank God that you've got some wire to wire it up and keep going. Amen. The Apostle Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. Claim Romans 28 if you love the Lord. Two weeks ago, I preached for one of my preacher boys in Montana. I left out there on Wednesday morning at 20 minutes to 7. I was going to preach in my church Wednesday night. I was to fly to Salt Lake City, Salt Lake to Cincinnati, Cincinnati to Greensboro. I made it to Salt Lake City in about an hour. Put got on my plane. We sat there for an hour and a half and said, we're having some technical problems. You have to get off. We got off. I sat in the Salt Lake City Airport for five hours. Finally, they said, we, the only way we're going to get you to Greensboro is take you to Phoenix, Arizona. I got on a plane, flew an hour and something to Phoenix, and got over there and sat there an hour and a half or two hours. And, and man, I said, ain't no need me worried about this thing. Bless God, I belong to him, and he knows what's best. He might be protecting me from a fall somewhere over yonder. You know, we don't have to get uptight about it. I called, Steve went at home, I called Frank. I said, Frank, preach tonight, I won't be there. I said, I don't get in late o'clock. Then they had to rearrange again. I sent me through Atlanta. And I got in the airport in Greensboro, North Carolina, at 12.30 a.m. from 7 that morning. But you know, God helped me not to get uptight about it. The Lord knows best. He knows best. I mean, I'm just saying, if we do get frustrated and confused and all of that, God don't want us that away. Just trust the Lord, bless God. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledgement all your ways, and he'll direct your paths. Just learn to be content. Well, we don't have what the, this one is. I think about Paul and Mark. I talked to Mark a few years ago. I don't know how, he, them fine boys, those chapel boys, they love the Lord. They're good men.
And I said, I, I said, Mark, I preached for Mark two or three times. And I said, Mark, I said, don't you never try to live in the shadow of Paul. I said, Paul's got one of the greatest churches I've ever been in my life. But I said, you're an inner city man. I think he told me about a fourth of his people was on welfare. I said, you're inner city. I said, Paul has a different type of people. And I said, if you're not careful, I said, you'll think I got to do this. And I said, son, you'll burn out. I said, you just be Mark. You said, Lord, help me to exceed right here with what I got. Help me to reach these people with what I got. And you forget about the rest. Let God do the exalting. About 20 years ago, the preacher, that the sword called me 20 years plus ago, and they said, we'd like to do a, a story on the Gospel Light Baptist Church. And uh, they told me they'd send a man, I guess he knew I didn't have enough sense to, to write it. They said, we'll send a man, and he'll write the story, and we'd like to sell you a, a whole piece in the, in the sword. thousand bucks. Boy, that's a lot of money. And I told that lady to sword, I said, man, we, we never spent that kind of money before advertising. And she said, we'd like to do it. And she kept calling me. One day a preacher friend of mine said, Brother Bobby, why did you turn that down? He said, I wanted your name to get in the sword. And he said, out on the West Coast, they'd read about the church you pastored and said, uh, you know, you'd get some meetings out there. Now, he was a good man. He meant well. And I said, I'm not wanting any meetings out there. I said, unless God wants me out there. I said, I'm around here in the hills of North Carolina and Virginia and West Virginia. Some little old churches around there, 50 people. I preached in one the other day, had 14 Sunday school. Don't matter to me what size it is. Wherever. I said, I just want to be where God wants me to be. And I said, I'm not, I'm not caring about, and, I, and I'm not trying to be nice, I'm just trying to be honest. I said, I don't care whether people know me or not, as long as God blesses me. That's all counts. And I was down here, I think I was at Lancaster a year or so ago, and I got to thinking about that. And I said, Lord, you're so good. And I've been here so many times. Here I am, a little old, just a country boy, raised on a tobacco farm. And here I am, way out here in California. I had to pinch myself to just see for me. You know, you know don't try to... Do anything except just do what God wants you to do. If God wants you to get here or there, he'll move you around. And then I would say this. Keep saturated in this old book right here. And that ought to be the first point. When the Bible becomes dull to you, stop and think and do some repenting. This book right here will encourage you and help you and challenge you. The inner man needs to be renewed every day. And you can get it through the blessed old word of God. So prayer, studying your Bible, reading your Bible is very important. Now I've just shared some things with you this morning that just from my heart that I hope that I've helped you. I shared part of this at a Southwide Fellowship 1982 I preached my first time at Southwide then. About seven or eight years later, I got a telephone call from a man who said, I pastor a church in South Carolina. Would you come and preach for me? I went to preach for him. He said, listen, he said, I don't think you'd mind this. He said, I was a Southern Baptist preacher 
And a man, a man asked me if I would go to the Southwide Baptist Fellowship with him, an independent Baptist preacher. I said, what is that? He says, just a fellowship, go with me. He said, I had done made up my mind. I was going to just leave the ministry. I'd quit pastoring. I said, disgusted, I'd just leave the ministry. But he said, Brother Bobby, that day, you told how God brought you through that split and through all of that. And he said, I said, if God, you do that for him, you can do it for me. And he said, I hope you don't mind. But he said, I went down in South Carolina, Charleston, and started a church and named it Gospel Light Baptist Church. Would you come and preach? I went down and had over 400 in Sunday school. That's all I want to do is just be a blessing. If I can encourage you to keep on, don't get weary and well doing. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org.